1: Hey, everybody. I am here with
0: Mike Chi again, this time live in person at your office. How are you doing, man? Oh, good. Thanks for taking the time to come down here. I'm really happy to finally meet you in person. I know we've been talking for like two years now.
1: Yeah, a long time. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm a little bit disappointed that I walked into your office and there wasn't like mind control helmets coming down from the ceiling (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) We're very (laughs) low-key. So uh, the mind control uh, reference, um, your main business
0: is uh, a company that does... um, well, Why don't you explain it, because I always screw it up. Yeah, So it, it's, it's not as uh, crazy as it sounds. No mind control. So we're CGX, and we build EEG headsets. So these are systems mostly used by university neuroscience laboratories to image the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, EEG measures electrical activity with little amplifiers. Um, not that different from video amplifiers, just very, very low, much lower frequency. And we, you wear them around the head, and it measures brain activity as you're doing experiments. And we're in the process of becoming a medical device, so lots of paperwork. But that's pretty much what we do day day to day.
1: Lots of paperwork and lots of uh, of insane certifications to be passed through. Yeah, I lived that for six years of my life. The six hundred six hundred one certifications. You know about something. that? Yes. Oh yes. Yeah, I spent many years of, or many hours of my life in an EMI chamber messing with that stuff. So yeah, we're just starting. It's not very. fun. It's not fun at all. No. It's important, but not fun. No, it does. It does at least paint a clear picture on the other behind the scenes type of things where it's like you see what goes into some of these certifications that are put on it you know making sure that uh you know to use the hospital stuff so if something falls it's not going to shatter into a thousand pieces and create glass that will cut people or you know if you plug it in with uh, into the wall it's not going to create some kind of weird magnetic field where it would you know mess with some of the machines that are taking people's readings so well that stuff doesn't apply to consumer electronics. It does it made a lot more sense to me now why there are certifications and safety stuff like that. It also made me even more angry when there's stuff like the HDMI licensing which is just a useless piece of shit certification. I know I'm sure friends of mine whose names will not be mentioned are probably swearing at the screen right now listening to this, but yeah, that's a useless one and they have the good ones and how do consumers know? How, how would you know if you
0: didn't do this, right? Well, then the problem is you have lots of unscrupulous people that are putting it on anyways without getting the right certifications or the mm-hmm. testing. So it, there's not much value. But for what it's worth, um, if you actually read the HDMI adopter's manual and go through the test procedures, if you actually, even if you don't get the cert, if you actually go through and follow all the steps, it does help make sure that the output is compatible with as many displays as possible. So mm-hmm. that part's good. The money in suing people. Yeah. yeah so. That what you just said makes sense to me, but why is
1: it that I could go right now and have a device made in China, and as long as I use the blanket license that that factory got, I could sell a product that's HDMI licensed? And why are they suing certain people, but not those people? Like, what's? It, it all seems
0: very mafia esque to me. So. I think it's just them trying to find the most lucrative targets to go after, and or or whatever, or the opposite. Don't
1: it's not tinfoil hat-esque to say something like, you know, one of the HDMI licensing's biggest customers says, hey, these people are pissing me that's off. What, what's up with them? You know, we they pay you, a, you know, $100 million a year. Do, go do your job. And now the little guy is shut down because it's stepping on somebody else's feet. I'm sure that's already happened quite a few times. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of just how business works. Right. So. But what I want to know is where does that money go? So for consumer electronics testing, the money goes to the companies that do the testing to make sure that it's safe. And then I'm sure there's a hierarchy there, and I'm sure it's not, not for profit, but it makes sense. But where does the money go for HDMI licensing?
0: Probably to the, um, probably to the, uh, the, the people that are running. So HDMI LLC, I think is, I, I could be wrong, but co-owned by like the Philips and, and the, the big consumer companies mm. that founded this organization. So it's probably going to them. Just it's going like right back to the big yeah. company. Uh, that's my guess yeah but you know a testing lab I mean for for actual safety testing that makes sense because it costs money to run a test lab there mm. there are sophisticated facilities and costs money to run the governmental organizations and the and and the other organizations that actually come up with these standards in the first place mm-hmm. for the consumer benefit but HDMI yeah I think you're right
1: yeah <laughs> I think for people that may or may not care about this stuff um, I wouldn't um, people are going to be mad at me for saying this, but I—if you're going to choose a device, I would never care if it was HDMI licensed. But what I would care about, and I do all the time, is power supplies that are rated for—you know—that are consumer electronics rated, that have that stamp, the safety stamp yep. on them, because I've seen with my own two eyes if companies just put that stamp on a power supply that's not certified and it causes a fire, that company's gone. They're sued. To, you know, to the nth degree, that's it. Whereas no one gets, you know, no one's really getting in trouble for HDMI stuff. But that other thing really is a safety hazard. I've seen garbage
0: power supplies. Absolutely. So, uh, have you have you heard the uh, the joke CE China engineered or China something? <laughs> it's like it's like the real CE European CE mark for safety, but it's just a little bit wide, wider, and you get it from uh, from like these uh, shady Chinese vendors. That's funny. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So a lot of some of the uh, some of the crappier uh, products out there that have CE, it's not the real CE mark. It's like a pirate one. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always look for multiple certifications because, yeah. it, you know, usually when you have a really good power supply, they're proud of it, so they, they pay the money because they like to brag about how mm-hmm. good it's certified. So so the, the Power Plus ones and the triads I've been using, I've heard some people say that they opened up the Power Plus and saw like a dead cap, like an exploded capacitor inside. That's ugly. Yeah, and a brand new power supply. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I don't understand what that was all about. Maybe that was a one-off bad luck scenario, or maybe they plugged one twenty into two forty and didn't know the difference. Like that who could knows? Be, right. But yeah, that's the only thing that, at least in the sense of, uh, gaming. I would always make sure that you're using it. Never a crappy power supply. And, you know, people have always that same argument, but I've been using this one for years. Well, maybe you've been slowly killing your console for years while seeing interference on the screen and not knowing it. So
0: well, Yeah, you know the old saying, right? I've been smoking for 70 years and I'm still alive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, but, uh, so the last time I talked to you, I think it was, uh, or I think the first time I talked to you, we were talking about the RetroTINK Ultimate. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I followed up with the Retro Tink 2X. So I think everybody would like me to ask you, why do you name two completely different products
0: so similar? <laughs> I'm terrible at names. So, yeah, you know, long story short, the the this whole thing started as kind of a side hobby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I was building Raspberry Pi hats because I wanted to get it working to the CRT. I'm like, all right, I need a name for this. Tinky is my rabbit. Oh. I don't rabbit. I'm like, I'll just call it the Retro Tink. And then... Um, so that, that, was a, that was a pretty nifty project, and then half a year later I was like, hey, I have another idea. I'm trying to build a cheap little scaler, bad at names, so I'm just called the RetroTink, and I retroactively named the hats RetroTink Ultimate, mm-hmm. and then 2X makes sense, it's a doubler, but yeah, I can see how it's, it's confusing. But RetroTink is really the company name, or okay. the brand, and Ultimate and 2X are the products.
1: Okay. Maybe I'll try to uh, use different nomenclature when I'm referring to them. Maybe I'll talk about the 2X and the Pi Ultimate or something, and, and maybe try to get people to, to, to visualize too, because it is confusing if you haven't followed the history of the yep. company and the products. But there are uh, I like them all. Um, the RetroTink Ultimate is still uh, it's still tied with my favorite hat. Um, because there's a ton of choices out there yep. now. and you know The Ultimate has S-Video, uh, Composite, Component, VGA, and RGB via the D-Sub connector output from a Raspberry Pi. Uh, and you have that uh, sync regeneration chip on there, which makes it compatible with everything. Um, so people that try to run the native refresh rates of certain games um, that just won't work on some monitors will work coming out of the Ultimate. So I think that's pretty awesome. Um, any any new updates on that? Any more tweaking? Have you seen the Pi 4?
0: I've, I haven't had a chance to try the Pi 4 yet, um, but I will like to get my hands on that as soon as possible. Um, I think there's some interesting developments on the Pi front. Uh, I don't know if you follow the Schmups forum lately, um, and I think the, a, a couple guys, them, on, on the forum, as well as myself, recently independently discovered that you can get 240p super resolution out of the HDMI port mm-hmm. if you have the right... Um, HDMI to component adapter. It's really cheap, $12. You can get it off eBay or AliExpress. Um, so I think that's actually a great option for a lot of people now because you can use the same images, just change the config to output to HDMI instead of the GPIO pins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, th- if, if, I w- if I were to do the next thing, the Raspberry Pi would be actually to build a device that takes the output from the HDMI port directly, not the GPIO ports, hmm. uh, and encode component and S video and composite directly from the HDMI. Um, I think that makes it more future-proof if Raspberry Pi changes the hat, the top, right? Yeah. And I think it also opens up some possibilities because I, in my own testing over the past few weeks, I know that m- one of my Quadro cards, as mm-hmm. well as my one of my Intel IGPs, can also do super resolution on a PC. So you don't need that, that what was that, the a- ATI um, CRT thing.
1: Yeah, The um, from
0: Ultimate Arc.
1: Yeah. Uh, Arcade VGA. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you can do the similar thing with, more modern modern graphics cards over HDMI, and I think if I were to build a device that worked with HDMI, it opens up a lot of other doors, rather than being tied to. Pi oh God.
1: yeah, yeah. Even even the scenario where you take a laptop with HDMI output, um, and you have you know you, uh, you have the main screen in whatever the native resolution of the panel, and screen number two going out HDMI into a, an RGB monitor, I think that's amazing. I think that would make Um, a lot of retro emulation setups, and especially testing with arcade stuff, way easier. Um, When you said the Intel Super Resolution, could you explain that? Because I know I spent an unhealthy amount of time trying to get
0: Intel graphics to output 240p directly, and never got it to work. Um, So I'm going to, as soon as I get a chance, we're going to try to document exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. But um, in the Intel control panel, You can define custom resolutions, and I found a combination of settings that worked. Oh wow! That forced it to I think 2048 by 240. So what you're doing when you say super resolution, you're going 2048 by 240. Yep. And then you're downscaling back into 320. Uh, um, so it's what it's doing is sort of it's your monitor that's downscaling. Because when the CRT projects it, right, it doesn't know if there's 2048 or 320 pixels or one pixel. It just draws that one line. Um, oh. So what the Pi hats are doing, and I think what the arcade CRT EMU drivers are doing is it's just taking the video game as it's emulated, stretching it out, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, the reason why they do that is because you need a lot of pixels per line to keep the pixel clock high enough that your graphics card is able to operate correctly. Okay. And then, but when it draw, when your CRT draws it, it just gets squished back normally. That's awesome.
1: Okay, so you're, um, that I'd never tried that with the Intel stuff, and that makes more
0: sense why that would work, and just direct three hundred and twenty by two hundred and forty wouldn't. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the key is I think keeping the pixel clock high. Um, on the Quadro card, I just used well, there's C R U Custom Resolution Utility. I, that mm-hmm. wasn't too difficult. Man, that that would be
1: pretty incredible. So then you'd basically have a device where it doesn't matter if it's a Pi or a PC, plug it into HDMI, change the settings on your PC side and be done with it. Exactly. That's a hope. Gee, you know, I could just envision all of these old laptops that might not keep up with what we're doing as a day-to-day work basis being transformed into, uh,
0: transformed into Linux machines that output 240p. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah, I think um, you know, I I think the Pi 4 will be a huge step up, but I still get complaints, or not? I don't get complaints, but I hear complaints that we need a PC, right? Want to want to use all the features of the emulator? Want low lag, run ahead, That's, and whatnot? Yeah,
1: absolutely true. But I, I the only reason I've stood so so hard behind the Raspberry Pi is because the moment you step outside of that, you have a uh, fifty other factors involved. Whereas if you're just on a Raspberry Pi and you just have a hat, you know, you, there's a whole, there's thousands of people playing in the same right. sandbox. So it's way easier to make things work. Whereas any kind of PC now, you're, there's just so many factors exactly. that your average person won't want to mess with it, or somebody like me that spent thousands of hours on emulation over the years. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> you know, it's so easy to get yeah. sucked in too. Right. It's so easy to go, well, let me just check this out, and you blink an eye and. Four hours have gone by and it's not working.
0: So yeah, yeah, it would drive you crazy. Um I definitely know what you mean. Simplicity is good. I mean, even nerds like at some point you want to play video games. You yeah. Don't want to tweak Yeah. Settings. I do love this stuff as much as playing. Yeah. But I do want to eventually be able to play.
1: So yeah, that's a that's an important one. Um, do you have any timetable for that? If it's even uh, feasible to do in a you know cheap way or?
0: Oh, probably. I think over the next year or so. I, I don't think it's too difficult. I had one. Prototype sort of working. Um, this was last year. Then I got sidetracked with two X stuff. Mm-hmm. So I like to pick that back up. Um, you know, the, the other approach that might make sense, and I kind of don't like this as much because it's not as elegant. You could just take a VGA. You know, if you find the right HDMI to VGA adapter, all you would really need then is just a VGA to uh, VGA to component S video to CRT encoder. It's an analog circuit. It's super simple and cheap. But then, wouldn't you need to downscale? Um, no, because you can run the VGA adapter at the same super resolution.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're right,
0: though. That wouldn't be as elegant a solution. because yeah, it's more you're plugging one thing into another thing into another thing. Exactly. So, so it's not great, I think. But I, I definitely like to take a look at the HDMI adapter over the next year.
1: Yeah, especially just because that you know you could use that across so many different devices. That would be pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask you this: What do you? Um, I mean, how? What do you see as the uh, the lifespan of CRTs?
1: I see over the next year. I see CRTs mimicking classic cars in absolutely every way, shape, and form. You know, if you really wanted a '79 Camaro, now you could go find one that's rotted through, that, you know, for a thousand bucks, or you could find one that's been fully restored. But they're never going to go away. Yeah, um, and I I think that's pretty much it. I think. Uh, as as people start to realize what it is that they're missing they're going to start to hoard these things i know i would if i if i lived in a real people-sized apartment i'd probably have 100 crts in the basement or something like that Um, but yeah I, i just i think i think the future is obviously going to be flat screen but until super low lag low motion blur flat screens are as easy to find as crts they're still going to be very much sought after And that's not just the lag. I mean, the demo that I've been uh, doing this year that um, will end up in a video soon is that you could take RF out of a Super Nintendo and plug it into a somewhat decent consumer-grade TV. And yeah, you get a a bunch of analog noise on the screen, but zero lag. And as Mario's running, everything in the background stays perfectly sharp just with some analog noise over it. And vice versa, you take like a 300, $300 monitor and you put it through a really good upscaler, there's still probably is going to be a little lag. And as Mario or Sonic's running, the background blurs because the panel itself isn't fast yeah, enough. Yeah, right. So until that problem is solved, CRTs are still going to be really sought after, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 would, I would agree and I certainly hope so. Mm. But, um, you know, one of the things that that's been frus- frustrating for me is I just, even over the past few years, I've noticed it's harder and harder to get my hands on a good CRT.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's up to, unfortunately, it's up to people like us to start hoarding them. <laughs> and then, you know, and hoarding them in a good way. Sure. Don't leave them in your basement for four years and then put them up on eBay for $1,000 as vintage. We all know the people I'm talking about. Just, you know, hold them if you can. Sell them to the people that, that you could tell really want them for the right reasons. Rebuild them if you, if Some you know, some people like rebuilding cars. Some people enjoy doing cap replacements. I don't mind it. I would rather do many other things, but, you know, that's the type of thing. And, you know, especially with consumer-grade TVs that have a third of the caps, if not less, than the uh, professional-grade monitors that you have in your office here. So, But, yeah, I think it's enough to justify making the product, I guess, is the best way to say it. Because don't forget, too, there's arcade setups, there's Mm -hmm. professional monitor setups and all that stuff, and it's just... I think it's something that's going to continue to be used, and especially in, in an arcade environment where you have diehard arcade fans that only want to use original boards. Oh, but by the way, you know, let's, why don't we why why not throw this in there on top of that? You know, right. if they already have the ability to. So I think it's just something that it's going to be consistent, consistently slow sales probably, right. but it'll never go away. Right. I think. Yeah,
0: it's, it's all, and it's always. I mean, personally, I always like to build things that I just use. Right, and I think I'll definitely get good use out of that.
1: Yeah agreed. So uh, the the retrotink Ultiman is the only pie hat that you're currently selling right Yeah, that's the only pie. I remember you had a few different models at first, but I'm glad that you just have this one because it's one that does everything. It's probably easier overall to, to keep inventory because it's only one product right
0: Yeah so it's actually kind of nuts So for the until um, until early this year actually my wife and I were just building those by hand. Oh And wow. I, I actually clocked it. It was probably close to an hour to build one. Yeah. And, uh, and because we built it by hand, it was possible to do these variations, right? But then we were like, you know what, this is too much time. We just had a factory in China punch out one copy and it was just to s- save our sanity.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I always, you know, I'm careful giving people advice because, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. But one of the pieces of advice I'm always confident giving is... Stick with the stuff that you either really love doing or you're good at, but just sitting there and assembling boards, unless you really loved that, unless that was like a zen moment for you, like have, have somebody manufacture that, spend your time doing things that no one else can do. Yeah,
0: you know? no, that's definitely good advice.
1: Yeah, so uh, moving on from that, you had the Retro Tink 2x, uh, so that is composite video, S-video, and component video to 480p HDMI, correct? That's right. So uh, for people that don't know about it, um, we'll go into a little bit of it. I, I have the video that I kind of went probably a little too detailed into it, but whatever. Uh, but the one thing, the one misconception, and I blame the trolls for this, but I see this all the time, is people say that you decided you not to use RGB because you didn't think people would
0: want it. That's not the case at all, right? No, um, that's not the case at all. The the reason why it doesn't have RGB is is pretty simple. It, it the video chip doesn't support RGB. So in order to get RGB, I had to bolt on a um, RGB to component transcoder, and then feed it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I was trying to keep the price low and keep everything simple, so decided not to do that. And there's great RG, uh, There's great component cable o- options out there, right? HD mm-hmm. retrovision. And uh, you could get a to component. So I I thought that was the most efficient way to go about it. But, yeah, if the chips support RGB, I would obviously put it there.
1: Yeah. I I started to jump in at first. And after a while, I'm like, I think the people that are saying this are just being assholes. They don't actually understand what's going on. But... Yeah, I mean it's a wonderful device. Um, you know, I'm not sure when this interview is going to go out for uh, for NDA and product <laughs> launch reasons, but at least up until the date that we're filming this, it is my number one go-to that I tell everybody who needs a digital solution. That unless you have a very clear understanding of where you want to go, which you know is mostly not the case, RetroTINK 2x is definitely the number one product to get. And on top of that, um, when you consider how much the Framemeister costs, you know, even when it was in regular production, that plus the adapters that you need to use it, um, you could buy an OSSC and a retro tank for less money. So it's, I don't even, those are the choices, even if you're going straight to the OSSC, but you still need these other inputs, get these two. Don't, right. don't go to the Framemeister. The only people that I think um, should be, you know, if you've already bought it, use it, it's great. But the only people that I think should, Use a Frame Meister today are streamers that game on CRTs. Because that's just, you know, you set your profile, the fact that the colors are compressed, it's going to get compressed in the stream anyway. Like, right. that's the only people that the Frame is for. I think everybody else, uh, the 2X, and then if you need to get uh, a little bit crazier, the OSSC at the moment.
0: Oh, I really appreciate that. I, I'm, you know, I've, one of the things that still blows my mind away is just you know, how warm of a reception I got. This is a little toy project that I, Built in my spare time, and I'm just really happy that a lot of people find this thing to be nifty. And and, yeah, well, let me tell you,
1: if it sucked, you would not have gotten a warm reception (laughs) from anybody at all.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, the the most rewarding part is just hearing, "Hey, you got you breathed life in my old console. I'm able to take it out of the attic or out of the basement Mm. and plug it back up and play with decent results." Right? Without you could you could plug composite video into the 2x into
1: any flat screen TV and not have your experience ruined. It might not be the best experience, maybe you forget to put your TV in game mode or something, whatever, but you're not going to ruin the experience of playing that game. Whereas with a lot of the other solutions out there today, it even if you don't know that your experience is being ruined by that you'll walk away going i guess that game wasn't the way i remembered it or you know people talk about retro games my first time playing it that sucks it's not you know they're just looking at it with rose-colored glasses or something and that is never the case the retro tank does not add lag and it processes 240p correctly yeah so or at least process it as uh as Progressive
0: scan. I
1: think you use uh, the way you set it up makes that chip work the way it does specifically.
0: So yeah, so it forces the line doubling, and uh, no, the chip doesn't have a deinterlacer, so there's not much to screw up. But that's the most important thing because you don't get these weird artifacts or lag because you're using the wrong video decoder chip and it's trying to do all sorts of processing it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, from that though you've noticed that there was a pretty whole big hole in the market for people that needed to go from RGB to component video. And uh, Steve from HD Retrovision and I worked uh, a little bit last year. That hopefully by the time this airs, that video will have finally aired. And we really found that uh, there was one great solution on the market from Shiny Bow that was 100 bucks. There was another solution that was like 60 that you needed to use an oscilloscope to calibrate in order to was good, yeah. in order to make it good. And then there was a whole bunch of garbage products ranging from fifty to a hundred and fifty dollars, and we didn't really like any of them except the HD Retrovisions, which is not a fair comparison because you have a one cable designed for one console. Of course, it's going to be better. Right. So um, you've now come out with the product, the. Um,
0: what do you call, uh, what's the name for this one? I, I'm not going to commit to names right now because I'm going to say <laughs> something really bad and it's everyone's going to get confused. So we'll just call it the adapter, the component adapter. The component <laughs> adapter. So,
1: um, you know, as basic as it gets, plug-in power, put in uh, RGB SCART output component video and audio, uh, obviously compatible with the Retro Tank 2X. Um, and also compatible with consumer grade TVs that have component video inputs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you said you're aiming for around fifty dollars price. Yeah, point? fifty
0: or under, um, because you know something like this, it's not complicated. Um, yeah, you say
1: that, but all those other people
0: screwed it up pretty badly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't really know what to say. So the the component uh, RGB to component circuit, you can find great resources online on how to build it exactly right down to the resistor values. Mm-hmm. So um, i say just follow the plans and uh, make sure you got a clean power supply. I think
1: that was the big problem on a few of them was uh, not a clean power supply causing ripples. And uh, if you put up the, the SMPTE color bars, mm-hmm. you could actually see the difference how one of the colors is bleeding into the other. And uh, I think one of the people I spoke to about that was like, why would power have to do with color? Like oh, you shouldn't be designing products. (laughs) So yeah, that that could be a big part of it. But um, yeah, I mean you know even if it's less than perfect, which in my limited testing so far it's been fine uh, at the price point. You know the it's certainly exactly what a lot of people had needed, and uh, certainly better than that other one with the pots on it that you need to use a scope. Oh, that's crazy because that doesn't even work if you just bought one and plugged it in it's going to be way off. And right. I don't mean perfectionist. I'm an RGB nerd way off. I mean, anybody whose eyesight is above blind would look at it and go, why is there like a green tint over everything? It, and it, it's, yeah, that one blew me away. I couldn't believe it was such a
0: piece of junk. Yeah, that's a, uh, I don't get the pots. That's, that's pretty weird. If you yeah, ask me,
1: whatever. <laughs> but so one of the things that I was really excited to talk to you about were these prototypes. Um, Would you be offended if I referred to these as the pound killer? (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Uh, So these are small pigtail cables. They'll have an overmold on them. This is still in uh, very much prototype form. You plug them into a console. You plug an HDMI cable into this, and it's essentially a mini RetroTINK 2X just built right into this thing. Is that just about accurate?
0: That's about accurate, um, and it has... uh, Right. It has a console-specific end. It takes the RGB output on most consoles um, and then to this board, which then digitizes it with mm-hmm. a circuit similar to the RetroTank 2X mm-hmm. um, with RGB to component transcoder, of course, first. And then it outputs HDMI of uh, audio plus video. Um, and like the 2X, it has a smoothing filter, so you can flip the switch back and forth if you like the pixelated look if you like the smooth look.
1: Yeah, so the I won't go too into that because I'm sure I'll have another video detailing it. But the short short version is your average gamer likes the smoothing off on 16-bit and earlier and uh, N64 PlayStation any 3D games. The smoothing uh, can look very good. So that's, uh, yep. that's like my little general general rule of how to mess with that. But um, so these uh, the Retro Tank 2X uh, I personally have tested many times. Uh, and that does not add any perceivable lag. I think it may be a couple of scan lines of lag at all. You know, We're talking a millisecond
0: tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this comparable to that? It's identical. It uses the same video chip and same um, HDMI transmitter. So in terms of lag performance, you're really just limited by how fast your display can respond to the HDMI data. Right. So I've been trying to be very careful
1: with my wording on things because I do say say this wrong but i would say that you could consider this a zero lag added solution Uh, i'm sure if you you know if you wanted to put it uh, under full analysis it's probably like a millisecond but that is not going to make any difference whatsoever in a gameplay and in your brain you should just think of it as zero lag added Um, now just like the retro tank this will take a progressive scan signal uh, 240p, and when it comes out as 480p, this will also be progressive screen, right. right? So it doesn't do any of that weird crap that the pound cables do where it processes it as 480i, and you get all the jaggy edges and stuttering and everything. That's uh, that's also incredible. Um, I see you have the power ports on these. Is that needed on all of them?
0: Um, in fact, it's not needed on most of, on pretty much all systems that we've tested, except for the PlayStation. Okay. Um, but you know since to to make manufacturing easy we just thought we'd have one board design and on all the non playstation systems this part would be covered oh okay um, there's actually a safety circuit that detects which power is plugged in and switches it appropriately there's also two fuses ptc resett- resettable fuses in series with each power uh, power line so uh, one of the things i was really worried about is you know are there are you going to cause some sort of ground loop or short and mm-hmm. cause a problem hopefully this this is a nice way to pre- pre- prevent that. And uh, in your testing at all, has this put too much
1: draw on like the old 7805 power regulators on a Nintendo, Super Nintendo, anything like that? No,
0: it seemed to be uh, I mean, it seemed to be qu- quite reasonable. So as long as your 7805
1: isn't about to die, then you have nothing to worry about. Yes, and that would have died pretty soon anyway, so. Yeah,
0: if your 7805 was going to overheat or self-destruct, it probably was going to. Yeah. You
1: know, that's something that I always recommend people change anyway, because even in a scenario where it's not needed, it's going to be needed at some point. So uh, maybe not so much in the Super Nintendo and Genesis yet, but definitely in the NES and, and without a doubt
0: the Atari 2600. So. Now we're getting off topic a little bit, if you don't mind, but have yeah. you looked into replacements for the 7805? I mean, one of the ideas I've kicked around is just building a little PCB with a super efficient step down and and power filtering and then with the same three pin out and seeing if that made a difference. The 7.8 S05 seems to be
1: okay, uh, I, and the very basic thermal tests I've done on it seems to be identical, um, but I really should be doing a lot more testing and a lot more consoles, but I've been I've been replacing all of mine with the 7.8 S05, and it seems fine, but yeah, any anything any Anything that you could improve the efficiency of something means less heat, which is right. eventually means longer lifespan. So uh, it's good to know that it's not going to put too much draw on it. Um, if somebody were to just power, to plug in a USB power into this, it's not going to send voltage back into the console nope. and, and short it out or anything like that. Uh, for people wondering, um, while it's probably not in focus, uh, we've been running a Genesis off of one of these during the whole interview. So... Uh, it looks good, um, I'll obviously have a more in-depth footage of this stuff soon, but uh, I, I really think this one's going to be a game changer, just because there's so many products out there that pretend to do what this does, and they
0: charge a lot of money, um, and it kind of drives me crazy. Um, one, I think one important thing I should mention is that uh, these are PAL and NTSC compatible with one cable, one design. Awesome, uh, and that's true f- even for the uh, the Nintendos. who normally you normally need different cables. Right. So there's a universal uh, circuit level uh, video level normalizer. You can just plug it in, and you don't need two different designs. That's really great to know. So
1: just one cable for for all regions, and don't even mess with it. Um, so for uh, much like the the Tink Two X, um, if something outputs 480i, it just gets. Pass through, uh, or or is it Bob deinterlaced to 480p?
0: Um, this one, uh, unlike the the 2x, we try to keep this thing simple. So there's no no option to f- uh, set it to pass through 15 kilohertz. So it's always doing some sort of line doubling. So if you have a 480i input, it'll do Bob deinterlacing de- 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 to 480p. Okay. And for people that might
1: not be um, familiar with that term, it's just a super fast way of taking 480i and making it 480p that doesn't add any extra lag. So it's not the nicest way, but it's the only way to do it without adding lag in a scenario like this. Um, What about the consoles like
0: Dreamcast uh, and PlayStation 2 that support 480p? Unfortunately, and I get some flack for this, and probably rightfully, these devices do not support 480p. Um, the video chip only takes 15 or 16 kilohertz okay. interlaced or you know the, the SD resolutions, and uh, I- and if you set, try to send a 31 kilohertz progressive scan, it'll just blank out. Just won't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the focus
1: of these sales are going to be you know Nintendo and Sega from you know pre 64-bit era, I guess, or I mean, I, I guess pre fifth generation. Right. So okay. you know Genesis, Saturn, Master System. You know, the PlayStation 1, um, N64,
0: Super Nintendo. So that, you know, that makes sense to me. I, I will say though, you know, one of, one of the things I do tell people is if you get a really, a lot of really cheap component to HDMI adapters work, work very well. They shouldn't add lag if you get the right one. So for, your, for, for some of the more modern systems that do 480p or higher mm. over, um, over component video, that is a really great solution.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was just kind of thinking that for things like the PS2, um, getting a a really good quality component cable, don't get those $2 garbage ones, and then, uh, you know, putting that through a component to HDMI would essentially accomplish what you would need. Um, I could imagine people using this in a scenario, though, where their TV doesn't work well with 240p, Uh, so having, you know, having both certainly would make sense, although maybe having so this is, uh, this is an interesting thing to talk about because I was about to say maybe having a, a 2X and a component cable for the PlayStation 2 would be better than these, which is a funny conversation to have because I'm saying your competitor at this point is you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: so. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for the PlayStation, a component cable um, and a 2X is probably the best... I wouldn't say best. It is a good solution. Is I'd say a equally good solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where this shines is that it'll work with a PS One because a PS One only does RGB, and you can get um, I forgot what it's called, a terrible name, the PSIO mod. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which you can't do with a PS Two, right? So you can play your library of PS One games without relying on optical media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think th- I, I think this really makes sense for the PS One. And if you're gonna get this, you might as well use it with a PS Two then.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. So it's, it's certainly options and it's certainly, it certainly has its place. I just, the very thought of taking even the 16-bit consoles and we'll throw N64 in there just, for, just because, but the thought of being able to just plug something in that's reasonably priced, that's not astronomically priced, that just works, is pretty important. Um, no one's done that yet. Um, no one's, I think one company has done it in one scenario for an insane amount of money and no one else has pulled it off yet. Everything else is, you know, lacking in some way. So I think these are going to be very important, and I'm very happy that I got to have played with these. Um, so yeah, that that is a very awesome thing. I hope I hope every game store k- starts carrying these for at least the the consoles that are much easier. So Super Nintendo, Genesis, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, you don't have to worry about a
0: mod or anything. Yeah, I think um, you know simplicity is important. Mm. Um, Even for nerds like us, sometimes you just go crazy trying to make things work.
1: Yeah, you know, I know people with full RGB setups that would still buy these things because of secondary needs, whether it was, you know, bringing it to a friend's house, bringing it to a different TV, just having a very basic plug-and-play device that doesn't cost an arm and a leg, that's the big thing. So, yeah, game changer. Very glad
0: you guys are working on this. Well, I mean, um, yeah. Got to thank uh, Rob over at RGC, he's been a pleasure to work with, and and I'm really glad that we're working on this project together. Yeah,
1: I've still yet to meet him in person. Uh, I hope to get over to Europe soon and, <laughs> and go hang out and check out his lab and manufacturing stuff. So, um, I'll obviously have a totally separate video on these. Uh, you know, you could expect the overmolding and strain relief equal to that of the Dreamcast cable they have out now. And uh, you know, same on both ends. So right now, you're just seeing like an open, uncovered <laughs> thing. Uh, it, you know, uh, uh, by the time this airs, you'll see the real pictures of what it looks like. But this is very impressive and very fun. Uh, so, anything else that you have in the pipeline? Anything else that you were kind of messing with? Or are you at the, in the short term, meaning the next year, kind of just sticking on the, the cleaning up your existing products a bit? Not that they were, not that they needed tweaking, but every every engineer always finds a way. There's to always to, things yeah. to do.
0: Yeah, no, I mean that's things in the pipeline. It's um, a good question. I mean, I wish, uh, wish I had more time to devote this to this. Um, that's one of the things that's kind of slowing things down. You know, for a while I was trying to build cases, uh, plastic cases. So I spent a weekend trying to learn SolidWorks and trying to build an injection moldable case. And I gave up. I'm like, you know, this is too why bother when we have Greg. Right? Exactly. I was like, you know what? Greg Collins is a lot better than this. Just we're just let Greg handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh,
1: if I remember correctly, you, uh, Greg um, has a case for the 2x out now that I've messed with and I love. It's yeah. it's perfect for it. It's all the buttons, everything, all the the labelings embedded into the case. Very awesome. Uh, I believe he's working on one for the SCART 2 component at the moment.
0: Uh, I need to send him one of those. I'm about to. S- I, I'm going to get get on that. But he's also working on one for the Raspberry Pi Hat.
1: Yeah, he sent me pictures the other day. It looks pretty cool, actually. Oh,
0: I need to bug him about that because I haven't seen it yet. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that was. I think that one needed it the most because the other things that you ship with come with you know nice acrylic plexi, so you can, don't have to worry about setting it down and shorting something out. That's awesome. But the two X is the, or the the ultimate you know, it's kind of hard because you'd have to find a pie case and then you'd have to find spacers between the two and you're always worried about shorting something out. And I think that's the one that it was needed the most in. So I'm glad to see that he's made some yeah. progress on that.
0: I'm excited and he's been a great, he's just been great. I mean, his, the fact that he op- open sources his designs and he, he, and he gets to sell it through a store and it's just a great, it's great to have him to, uh, to be able to say, hey, you know, call up Greg if you need a case for my stuff.
1: Absolutely. that's laserbear.net if anybody wants to buy any of those cases. I'm obviously a big fan of them. So I think I have almost everything he's made, I've bought one of them and have them somewhere in my apartment doing something. So it's good work.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, other stuff I'm working on, I mean, maybe this is just too nerdy, but um, one of my pet projects right now is building better power supplies and uh, efficient power supplies and rolling them onto to every design. So uh, as you probably know, USB output if depending on what kind of uh, adapter you get, can be really really noisy. Mm. So what I've been studying um, over the past few months is, you know, the right combination of ferrite beads and filter circuits to really precondition even a noisy USB input and get a clean analog power supply. So that if you plug into uh, to a, if you use a bad charger, right, you can still get decent results. Cool. Also, been investigating, um, you know, how to build protection circuits with diodes and PTC fuses, so that if there's a catastrophic short, mm-hmm. you know. Everything's protected, so those are just you know incremental under the hood stuff that I want to roll into, slowly roll into everything I build.
1: See, that's the type of stuff that I, I, I have so much respect for because that type of thing isn't flashy and fancy. You know, you're not going to get, uh, you're not going to make a video and about that and get a million views. But it's so important to the core of all the products that you make. So I always I love it when people go the extra distance to make sure all the stuff that no one even knows what it is is
0: working up to speed. So that that's really good to hear. Yeah, yeah. And then otherwise, you know, I the other other things I like to work on is just always like to find some time to document and write up articles and make videos. Just always seems to get sidetracked.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, that's uh, that's obviously how I started yeah. the articles, and I miss being able to dedicate long periods of time to doing some of those long form guides I used to because that was a lot of fun, and those those help a lot of people. So if you ever uh, you know. You ever have the opportunity, you're always welcome to post anything up on RetroRGB. So, any you know anything like that. Obviously, you have your own YouTube channel, but uh, yeah,
0: that's a it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather post a nice article on your website.
1: Yeah, well, you're always welcome. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, I think we covered pretty much everything. You, uh, you got a very cool lab here. You have a, a room in the back of your main company dedicated
0: to the retro stuff. All yeah. the cool things here. Yeah, this is my hideout. So when I get Frustrated with work, <laughs> just actually come out here and just do work on this stuff. That's pretty awesome.
1: I really <laughs> like that. So, well, it was great catching up. Uh, we're definitely doing this again because I'm going to be coming back bugging you about other projects, I'm sure. But it was good to meet you in person this time after
0: talking to you. Yeah, likewise. So long, so. really happy, you know, you found the time to come down here. Hell
1: yeah. So, anybody, uh, retrotink.com. Uh, we'll have all the products listed, and then um, I have write-ups, reviews, and everything. Just uh, go to RetroRGB.com and search for retro tank, and everything will pop up. All the videos, the views,
0: and everything that you need to know on, for all the products. Stay <laughs> here, man. Thank you.